Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, none other than Ben Glebe, comedian, Rebel HQ superstar, and an amazing analyst. Very smart, brilliant, I would say. Always good to have him. Top story of the day, Senator Tim Scott running for President of the United States says they are discriminating against him. Wow, put him up full mass. Let me remind you that Senator Tim Scott out of South Carolina told us that, well, America is not a racist country. So he has a theory about why people are drawing attention to the fact that he has never been married. Okay, he has a theory. Let's check the theory out. He says, it's like a different form of discrimination or bias, he says. The 2024 GOP presidential candidate told the Washington Post, you can't say I'm black because that would be terrible. So find something else that you can attack, end quote. Um, Scott also said that other GOP contenders may be seeking to sow seeds of doubt about his campaign and finding a way to say, that guy isn't one of us, end quote. With the insinuations about his personal life. But Scott, his political confidants and his friends all insist he's not gay. Oh, That's what we're talking about, okay. Scott, why do you, why do you say that in the beginning, Tim? Hmm? So they're saying, that you're gay because you've never been married. Some of them have never been married, but they're not saying they are gay. They're only saying that about you. And you're saying that it has nothing to do with anything other than you not being married. Okay, all right, let's continue. Uh, but Scott, his political confidants, etc., uh, insist that he is not gay. In fact, Scott insists he does have a girlfriend. Okay, he insisted, though the campaign declined to identify her to the Post. Quote: I can't imagine dragging her onto the campaign trail unless I have the intention of marrying her. Damn, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> sir, <laughs> sir, put up his picture again. Uh, can I give you some advice, sir? Because obviously you have uh, just no sense of self. You just told this woman that you have no intention of doing anything long term if the woman even exists. Scott said in the post interview, which he said, would be the only conversation I'm going to have about her in any form or fashion unless he wins. Now, if he wins, we can talk about it. But Scott, that doesn't mean you're going to marry her. Are you going to marry her if you win? I got more questions. Um, still the rumor, right? Still the rumor about Scott has persisted. Uh, the joke has always been that he is secretly gay or something, said an unnamed GOP operative. Who came to the post with a dossier of information about Scott's known personal 
relationship. Scott, they have a dossier on you, sir. Uh, let's put them up. So even Matt Schlapp, the head of the American Conservative Union, who was himself accused earlier this year of sexually assaulting a man, joked to the Post that former President Donald Trump would be picking a gay vice president if he selected Tim Scott as his running mate. And Axios recently reported that some Republican donors wanted to know more about Scott's single status before giving him any money. Um, Scott first revealed uh, the existence of his current girlfriend during an Axios interview in May. Ha uh, half of America, half of America's adult population is single for the first time, Scott said at the time, to suggest that somehow being married or not married is going to be uh, the determining factor of whether you're a good president or not. It sounds like we're living in 1963 and not 2023. You are so correct, sir. Actually, it's okay if you're gay, which I believe you are. It's okay. But you all have created such an adverse narrative to the reality that exists that permeates in the culture today. That is that people are free. They are free, Scott. You are free, sir. Here's the quote you should have given them, gay or not. Lesbian or not, LGBTQ or not, doesn't matter because it does not dictate who you are in heart, in service, in commitment, in compassion, in love. That should have been your quote to them. But instead, you decided to become defensive about marriage. You all have made marriage. The cornerstone of family. You all have said that it's because of the divorce rate. And then you point to numbers, historical numbers in America where divorce was 1%. Well, that's because women could not sign contracts, sir. That's the only reason. Now, I'm reminded of what you said about this nation. Here it is. I get called Uncle Tom and the N word by progressives by liberals. We are not adversaries. We are family. We are all in this together and we get to live in the greatest country on earth. So you're called the N-word and Uncle Tom by progressives. You're called gay by conservatives and you think that equivocates. Being gay, sir, not derogatory, you all have deemed it so. And this is the natural progression of the Frankenstein monster in the culture that you help create. Ben, thoughts here? You're exactly right about the heart of the matter, Doc. Uh, they have fostered an environment where being anything but heteronormative is not acceptable and you have to make excuses about it. I do take issue, however, if he did come out with a statement saying lesbian or not. If he came out as a lesbian, I would have to call <laughs> BS on that. It would seem like a weird political move to me. Um, other than that, I do agree. Um, and it's so true that they are only saying this about him. 
Because look, if being single at an advanced age means you're gay, then doc, I am the gayest man in America. And and I'm not gay, but if that's the determination, then that's how it is. So you're absolutely right. These people running for the Republican nomination have to reap what they sow. They live yeah. in a world that is prejudicial, that is biased, that is bigoted. And good luck trying to twist yourself out of that hole that you put yourself in. And that's just the way it's gonna be for him, I suppose. How about yeah. just live your truth, be who you are, speak honestly. It might be an easier way to go about stuff, but that's just my opinion. There you go, and you may change some minds and change some lives, starting with your own senator. Indisputable exclusive update. I want to remind you of a kid who was arrested, who was detained inside of his school for selling candy. And we have another video. Here it is. Get off me. Right there. Get off me. Get off me, yo. Get off me. Get off me. Get off me. Look, yeah. Zika, look. You don't stop if you're going in handcuffs. Look, look. You don't stop if you're going in handcuffs. You put me in handcuffs and my dad's suing you. My dad's suing you. You put me in handcuffs my dad's suing you. I swear. Stop. I swear. I swear. Get off me. Yo, get off me. Get off me. Look. Get off me. Look at him. Get off me. Yo, yo, this boss can't wait to post this. Can't wait to post this. Can't wait to post this. Look at, look, look. He keep, he won't get off me. This a, I'm just racing. It's racism. Get off me, man. Man, get off me, bro. Get, I didn't do nothing. Look, 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 look. Look, this man, this man got his arm all on me. This man got his arm all on me. You gonna hurt Can yourself, you get buddy? off of me? I'm not hurting myself if he, if he, I don't but he got a bruise hurt. all over my arm. Get off of me. Look at him. We now have additional footage and we also have an update to the narrative from the school. It is going to make your blood boil. Here's the updated footage. Put up the screenshot. I'm going to give you the background and the update. This is a story that we broke on Indisputable last week where a 15 year old black child at Highland Springs, Virginia was accosted by officers because he was caught selling candy at school. Enterprising is what it's called. According to his father, Christopher Richards, the young Ezekiel was suspended for five days following the incident for quote, non-compliance. Mr. Richards told Indisputable that Ezekiel's teachers were not informed of this by the administration and marked him down as absent on his record. They did not communicate that he was suspended. So he received basically demerits. Mr. Richards also told Indisputable that Highland Springs High School has requested that Ezekiel finish out the school year via remote learning 
not come back on campus because they consider him to be a disturbance to the institutional norm. So we reached out to Highland Springs High School for a comment. They stated, Henrico Schools does not comment on specifics of individual student discipline matters. School administrators have worked collaboratively with the student's custodial parent to ensure the young man's needs are being met. In quote, once again, put up the people in charge. Okay. You have Mr. Kenneth White and the assistant principal who's wearing a sweater and a sports coat, Salam Herbez. Now, the story gets even deeper. Disputable. On Monday, they said, August 28, 2023, a Henrico Police School Resource Officer SRO assigned to Highland Springs High School observed a disturbance at the school involving a juvenile male student exhibiting confrontational behavior with the school administrator. The SRO monitored the ongoing situation until the student became confrontational again and uncooperative with school staff. He was detained for investigatory purposes. It continued, during this encounter with the Henrico police, the student reported a minor injury to a finger, but declined treatment. This injury was documented. The division was not made aware of any other possible injuries to the student until several days later. Please note, the student was never arrested by Henrico police. The division is unable to speak to the county public schools code of conduct, student conduct. Put up the leadership so-called full mass. Now they gave us all of this information about a minor, right? An injury. The disturbance, they were uncooperative. Oh, but we did not arrest him. Well, yeah, because he did nothing illegal. You see, selling candy may be a violation of school policy, but it is not against the law. And when you decided to engage, I'm talking about the police department, and treat him as a criminal, you overstepped your authority and you went out of bounds. You treated him as if he had committed an arrestable offense. You all decided not to effect an arrest. Because there was nothing that could stick, the engagement was improper. So this is the chief of the local county. You got Colonel Eric English and the assistant police chief Douglas Barker. Uh, buck stops with them. Uh, right now, we have no update beyond that. We are staying on top of this story as it is one of our exclusives. But once again, let's be very clear. First of all, who calls the police on a kid for selling candy? This is an amazing opportunity to engage about the principles of supply and demand. You could transform that into a remarkable lesson. Even if it's prohibited during school hours, provide an opportunity before school and after school where he can engage in that enterprising concept with the permission of his guardians. You see, that's called innovation in teaching. It permeates beyond the moment. It becomes not only a lesson for the student, but it becomes a life lesson for them as well. But instead, you decided to call the police. You know, you call the police when you need a gun. Police engage when there's criminal action. 
Why did the police have to do this? The resource officers that I know, they see themselves as mentors. They do not see themselves as police officers. There's one that I know he refuses to wear his gun inside of the school building. He keeps it in the locker in case something happens, but he refuses to wear it around the students because he wants to be approachable. He knows he can get more done by conversation than what you just saw. All right, Ben, thoughts? See, I disagree, Doug. I think that school should make students scared. I think it should not give them the ability to feel like they can express themselves or kind of spread their wings. School should just be punitive and should make children hate school and hate education. That's just me, but I'm stupid. So well. that could be part of the problem. Um, you're absolutely right. It's pitiful that people turn to not only the school security officer and him overstepping and being physical with this kid for no reason. And then calling the police, escalating it even further. When I was in elementary school, I sold pens. I had a bunch of cool pens I came upon, like cool ones. I remember I had one with like a little basketball on the end. I had really unique pens. And I would sell them between 50 cents and $2. I remember in like three days selling pens, I made $21. I was so proud of myself and it taught me about making money, about being a little mini entrepreneur. Nobody ever got me in trouble for it. Nobody seemed to care because I was allowed in my school to do things that I thought of that might be interesting or fun or a unique display of what my mind was coming up with. And to deprive a student of that is a crime really, that's the crime. Yeah, They should call the police on, on people that are not allowing children to be themselves to try to express their out of the box ideas. That should be exactly what school fosters. Yep. And, and you know probably those cops confiscated some of that candy too. Oh, if yeah. I were this young man, I would start a candy business as soon as possible, capitalize on this and prove everybody wrong because this is a shame. All this story has done has made me upset. It has made me feel yet again that our school system is being unjust and overly policed. And it has also made me crave candy. There you go, yeah, all of them, I agree. All right, we will update as it develops. Gospel singer said, y'all can kiss my ass. Here it is. I felt like I was stupid enough that they get to lie about almost dying from COVID. Kiss my entire ass. All of it. It's a lot to kiss, so get to work because you're going to be there for a while. Correction. She said you can kiss her entire ass. Put her up for a mask. I like her style. Kelly Price upsets all of the people who probably talk trash about her. Let me explain what I mean by that. The singer can be seen looking out into the audience saying that some people thought she was stupid enough that I needed to lie about almost dying from COVID. Back in 2021 after Price's attorney, Monica Ewing announced that she was not missing but ill from suffering from COVID. Fans were confused as the As We Lay singer later told TMZ that she was never missing and nearly died from the illness. Let me give you background, July 2021, Ms. Price alerted her fans of her COVID-19 status. 
noting that she was following doctor's orders as previously reported. She said she was considered medically dead at one point and later recovered at home where she was seen several times a week by home health aides after being released on oxygen. While battling for her life, she also endured viral headlines about her family and her money online. I'm a just have to say what it is. I almost got Britney Spears this summer, said Price before revealing that a family member attempted to start a conservatorship when she was battling COVID. Similar to Spears, who was placed on an involuntary conservatorship by her father, James. Price added that she remained isolated following her release from the hospital. And according to Billboard, Price noted that due to a frayed relationship with her sister, she was declared missing despite not being so. So basically, she would not answer the phone of her sister. It, it hasn't been two months since I've seen my sister, it's been a year. I hadn't been in the same room as her since my mother's funeral, she recalled. Prior to that, we hadn't seen each other all pandemic long. That's not new for us. We've been strained for a long, very long time. I was never missing. I was in my home being seen by doctors. Let's put a picture up again. Um, Now, I would like to provide proper context for what she submitted during that performance. She said, now correct me if I'm wrong, but she said, if you thought I was stupid enough that I needed to lie about almost dying from COVID, uh, that you could kiss her entire ass. Now, if you did not say that, she's not talking about you. She's talking about the people who did. But see, my grandmother told me a hit dog will holler every time. Here's what people are saying online. Girl, you're the one that was being weird, not telling your circle what was going on. So they came telling us. I mean, damn, the woman was on her deathbed and you're talking about she was wrong for not mustering the strength to tell you she was dying. Kelly stays mad about everything but her A1C, added another. Kelly, girl, wasn't no one thinking about this. You just wanted an excuse to be vulgar as a gospel artist, and which by the way, I appreciate. She told the people to kiss her ass and reportedly went straight into a gospel song right after that. That's exactly what I do. I do the exact same thing, all right? I, I use profanity, I sing to the Lord. Same person, the Lord is with you everywhere you go, all right? On that stage, backstage, yep. All right, Ben, I know you have told people to kiss your ass a time or two, it happens. I've never used the phrase kiss my whole ass, I do enjoy yeah. that phrase. Yeah. I feel like that does send a stronger message for it sure. Does. Um, you know, this story is confusing to me because, because from what I understand, her family did report her missing and tell people that, or to tell people that she was missing instead of saying she was being treated for very severe COVID. I feel like this is an issue within her family more than anything. Yeah. She should be telling her family to kiss her whole ass and maybe just focus on the gospel songs. Well, I think, but, she, I think she did tell her family, uh, at least a sister. 
based on her context. Yeah. Maybe her sister was back there during the concert, taking <laughs> care of business. Yeah, it's hard to know. But you know, hopefully she is getting her request taken care of because people need to respect her and let her sing her songs and not falsely report that. She is a missing person. You know, yeah. going down with COVID is something we've mostly all experienced. Yeah. And uh, I would hate people to think that I was on the lam or something. You know, I don't want right. I don't want a fugitive situation happening when I'm just home coughing. There you go. Uh, and I, I will say this: I appreciate the fact that she was authentic about where she was. I think we need more authenticity in all arenas, especially that of religious proclamation. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Doing your job? Yeah, I've been going to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom at home. You can't go to the bathroom here? No. It's not a public bathroom, it's a house, and I don't want anybody going to the bathroom. You, no, you can, when you take your break, you can go to the bathroom. Okay. Don't argue with me, I'm the one that pays you. Don't be yelling at me. Okay, don't mess. You have no right to be yelling at someone. This is the United States of America. And, I understand. And you do not deserve to be yelling at anybody that works here just because we're Mexican. No. You have no yeah, right. I'm a Mexican. Exactly, and you can't. Okay. You think you're above everybody? You need to leave because right you're now. You should not be yelling at everybody. You need to leave right now. Call on the car then. I'm the owner of the house. I'm the one paying you, and you need to leave right now. I'm gonna call the police. Go ahead. Okay. You don't want to make a scene with me, but you need to leave now. Call Ricardo. Please help. Wait outside. Put her up for a mask. Madam, in my opinion, you are a horrible human being. I'm very proud of the young man who spoke up for himself. I used to work in construction when I was a teenager. There was one rule we were all aware of. Every work site must provide proper restroom accommodation. That is the law. I'm sure there's a, a similar law, whatever jurisdiction you're in. You go from denying them the opportunity to do something that is human and natural. You take that dignity away and then you engage in talking to them like children, especially the one who's involved in commentary with you or conversation with you. And because he says something that is appropriate, you tell him to leave and threaten to call the police. Wow. All right. Um, Being when I saw this, you know, I don't like the, the spirit of bullies. Just don't like it, right? Uh, this individual, this woman came in with a significant attitude. Uh, and to deny someone of a basic, of a very basic function, use restroom, I'm working here. What else am I going to do? Uh, that was already insane, and then it got worse. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's a bully vibe. It's a superiority complex. It's disgusting. This woman comes in 
and tries to take the humanity away from these people, which to do to any people is an egregious, horrible offense to do to people that are there helping you, that yeah. are there. This is not probably their passion project of their life. They're building your house. They're not building their own house. They're not building something that they drew up. They're there to earn a wage, hopefully a living one, probably not according to the way this woman acts. I'm sure she's not paying extra and um, it's disgusting. And this incident turns out to not be a racial one. You know, the worker pivoted quick when he was like, just because we're Mexican. She goes, I am too. He goes, exactly. That was a right. uh, that, that was a good pivot away. She just is a bad person in general. Right. And maybe she thinks she's a better kind of Mexican because she owns a house or something. I mean, it's a disgusting superiority complex. And he just held his own, kept his calm. And then if you see the end of the video too, it's it, it, it's almost funny because then he says, then, then call Ricardo is gonna pick me up. And she goes, well, I will. And he's like, well, I can't leave till then. She goes, Okay, well then fine. Like he like disarmed her in the perfect way where she couldn't right. continue, but she did stick by her guns of kicking him out of the house. To deny somebody a bathroom is just mind-boggling. It's unconscionable. And um to the people that are building your home also very stupid because they yeah. they, they control the structural integrity of what's going on in your own <laughs> That's house. Right. Same. That's a big deal. Mm. Okay. All right. Interesting, a white female pulls out a gun on a delivery worker, another woman, put her up for a mask because she said, well, she was in fear. So a white woman points a gun at a black newspaper driver. This was in South Carolina, Mary Holmes followed, pointed a gun at a black newspaper delivery driver. Holmes believed the worker was staking out the neighborhood and didn't belong there. She told the police as she pointed the gun at the woman delivering newspapers out of fear for her life, the report says. The driver was making deliveries in Spartanburg early in the morning, September 6th at about 2.30 a.m. per the reports. The victim. Saw Ms. Holmes eyeballing her while she was making her drop offs. According to the reports, citing the Spartanburg County Sheriff's Office, when the woman was about to leave the area, Ms. Holmes approached her asking if she needed help. She reportedly turned her down and told her no. The woman continued to deliver newspapers as she was being followed, but soon became fearful that the woman would confront her on a dead end road. So she made a U-turn on a nearby road and was then allegedly confronted by Holmes again. Who pulled out a gun, pointed it at her, according to the report. However, according to the reports, the magazine dropped and the woman immediately tried to get away. So this is a sloppy criminal work. So the magazine drops out the gun. This is a getaway opportunity. Holmes' partner also called 911 to inform them about her following the woman, she told police that she was frightened after seeing the delivery driver's vehicle, which quote, didn't belong there, end quote. Mary Elizabeth Holmes, 32, has now been charged with one count of pointing and presenting firearms at a person. Some jurisdictions call that menacing, all right? 
according to an arrest warrant from the Spartanburg County Sheriff's Office. She was released on a $5,000 cash bond with an order of no contact, okay? We found out obviously this is not a first run in. Holmes was previously arrested for a violent 2011 strong arm robbery. Okay, now here's where the detective needs to step in. Well, madam, you were arrested in 2011 for a robbery. And it's 2.30 a.m. in the morning. You're following someone who clearly is a newspaper delivery person. You have a gun, you point the gun at the person. And we're supposed to believe you're not trying to commit another robbery. So we give you the benefit of the doubt. At 2.26 a.m., she pushed pushed her way into the Spartanburg apartment and proceeded to attack two people inside. According to an incident report on record, police say she also grabbed the man in the apartment by his hair, slung him to the ground, pulled him out the door, twisting uh, twisting his back after he had shattered his vertebrae earlier that year. He was already pretty defenseless. While he was on the ground, Ms. Holmes uh, decided to go ahead and help herself to his cash from his wallet. Um, also took his cell phone, according to the report on record. She received 30 days probation and a fine for pleading guilty to assault and battery. Third degree court records show. Well, isn't that something? Ben, thoughts? First of all, blonde white ladies named Elizabeth Holmes seem to always be trouble. I'm surprised she didn't also try to get the person to invest in her miracle cure blood taking Theranos company. Yes. Um, I mean, my goodness, this woman, what a pain, what a horrible person. You see somebody, as you said, clearly delivering papers. Does she not know what newspapers are? I understand it's a dying field, but you're throwing, what does she think? This person keeps giving gifts to the neighborhood, throwing these little these little dog bone shaped things towards people's houses. It's called the news lady. And to follow this person who's clearly out doing a job and to pull a gun, I mean, it reeks exactly of of iced tea and Skittles, if you ask me. It, yep. is, it is disgusting to pull out a weapon on someone doing their job. Nobody is in heaven delivering newspapers at 2.30 a.m. They're not living out their dream job. They're doing what they can to make ends meet. And I hope that the law comes down on this person in the harshest way possible. I just hope that we continue, we start and then continue to punish these people that are racially motivated in their hatred, in their animus towards fellow human beings so hard that even those who retain some sort of racial animus don't ever act on it for fear of repercussions through the legal system. Because you you're never gonna get all racism out of society, unfortunately. We can improve on that, but we can step up the enforcement of the law and make sure that these people do not continue to terrorize innocent human beings doing their job. That's the hope we got. Very well said, very well said. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick today. Seattle cop jokes about the police department killing a pedestrian 
with their car. Here it is. Went up on the hood, hit the windshield. Then when he hit the brakes, flew off the car. But she is dead. <laughs> no, it's a regular person. Yeah. Just write a check. Just yeah. <laughs> $11,000. She was 26 anyway. She had limited value. Put his picture up. This is the man patrolling your streets. Protect and serve. Honoring nothing. Joking about the death of a human being. And he has a job protecting humans from danger. An officer was caught on video laughing about a woman who was fatally hit by the patrol car. The man in the video is Officer Danielle Otterer, Vice President of the Seattle Police. Officers Guild, who mistakenly, inadvertently left on his body camera. After responding January 23rd to South Lake Union. Where another officer, Kevin Dave, struck and killed 23 year old grad student, Janava Kandula while driving a 74 miles per hour in a 25 mile per hour street. Was on the way to an emergency call. Pendula, who had been in the crosswalk at Thomas Street and Dexter Avenue North, was thrown over 100 feet. The 23 year old died later that night. The officer, a drug recognition officer assigned to determine whether Dave was under the influence, concluded that his colleague was not impaired. After finishing his routine analysis, he called SPOG SPOG President Mike Sloan. And the pair talked for two minutes. The officer acknowledged his role in the investigation as an impairment recognition officer, but said the conversation was private and meant to be part of his duties as a SPOG representative. Neither the officer nor Sloan responded to requests for comment Monday to the Seattle Times. Chief Adrian Diaz in a statement posted Monday said the department learned of the conversation, not from the officer, but from an employee who listened to it. During the routine course of business, that employee became concerned and took it up the chain of command. Meanwhile, SPD conducting a criminal investigation on Dave and who was likely still employed with the agency. Dave is the person that killed the woman. Seattle Police Watchdog Agency is investigating the incident. OPA Director Gino Betts Jr. confirmed the Watchdog Agency's investigation. And that it was initiated after SPD attorney 
Rebecca Boatwright emailed the OPA on August 2nd. The Community Police Commission, another oversight body of SPD, characterized the body camera audio as heartbreaking and shockingly insensitive, end quote, saying it speaks to the concerns that the CPC has repeatedly raised about elements of Seattle Police Department culture and spog resistance to officer accountability measures. Uh, yes, what he said was insensitive. What he said was horrible. What he said is indicative of your cultural reality inside of that police department and police departments all over the United States of America. But let us not forget one of your officers killed someone. And there has been no adverse action that we can find on record against the officer who killed an entire innocent human being. If a citizen without a uniform would have done the exact same thing, you're gonna at least lock them up for negligent homicide, involuntary manslaughter. I guarantee you they don't get to drive away from that. You're going 70 plus mile, miles per hour in a 25 MPH zone. It doesn't matter if you have an emergency or not. Because you have a protocol to never put any innocent person in danger due to an emergency call. That's the protocol of the department. All right, we'll bring you updates as they come. Ben, thoughts here? It's just tragic and disgusting. Obviously, the death of the young master's student is so tragic, but systemically, it's a tragedy to see yet again the beyond cavalier attitude toward human life of, of, of police officers in many cases. But the glee in the death is just disgusting. It's nauseating, it's, it's to hear somebody laughing about the death of an innocent person is so unconscionable. Mm. Can we add some questions of humanity into the application process to be an officer? Like, do you care about people? Do you know the difference between good people and bad people? Do you take seriously the charge that you have to protect and to serve the populace? And that you are only there to enforce with your tough side when things go bad, when there are truly bad people you're encountering, but that your job is not to be this coarse, callous, disgusting example of a person. Um, you know, I don't know what, and obviously, you know, it certainly doesn't indicate that this person probably did a particularly thorough examination of the officer right. who struck the young woman either. Um, you can just easily picture him, the officer maybe saying like, dude, I might have had a couple drinks, like, do you mind? He's like, don't worry, bro, it's just a non-value life of a 26-year-old, I got you. Um, the officer needs to be fired for this, an example needs to be made. Um, every apology in the world needs to be issued, every check in the world needs to be written. And none of that brings back a young person who, whose life is taken and might not have been taken if in general the ethos of the department were one that was more concerned about the innocent citizens they are charged with protecting and serving rather than walking around like they're cowboys in the wild west. Yep. You know what's ironic, Ben? Let's say somebody died because of an, because of an unfortunate accident at a fast food restaurant. And the manager is heard laughing and joking about it. The manager gets fired immediately because they have standards. They have standards. 
All right, we got more on the other side. Indisputable, stick a stay. All right, welcome back. I got a hell of a story. Alabama heckle called racial slurs. Let's go to the video. Here it is. You guys are on. Go back to the project. Go back to the project. Put up the picture. Now I'm going. I'm going to give you background to this. Well, let's just say extreme behavior and racist behavior. Alabama fans heard on video yelling racist, anti-LGBTQ remarks at Texas players. Video surfaced on Sunday of three Texas players. You have Xavion Bryce, Jelani McDonald, and BJ Allen Jr., all of whom are black, celebrating the Longhorns win. Off screen, Crimson Tide fans in the stands of Bryant Denny Stadium can be heard screaming obscenities at the players, utilizing slurs, etc. Angie Went uh, uh, Wisner, the mother of the Texas freshman running back, Ventrevian Wisner, says behavior like this took place throughout the entire game, not just at the end of the game. That's a distinction worth noting because it's contrary to the narrative that some have tried to present. The fact that my son down there and they saying go back to the projects really just saddens my heart. That as his mother, no matter how old he had to listen to that. Love you, son, she posted on X. But the parents went through this all night. Beer cans thrown at us, water bottles, spit, disgrace. The university statement, put it up. We're disgusted by reports of vile language and inappropriate behavior. Saturday night, to be clear, we condemn this behavior and it would not be tolerated in our venues. It is not representative of UA or our values. We expect all attendees to act with class and respect towards others. They also added fans are strongly encouraged to report issues to our security on site. Game day and delayed reports are appropriately addressed, and anyone found to be in violation of our rules and expectations will promptly. Uh, will be promptly removed and maybe banned from future events. But here's the thing, you don't think anyone who had authority heard the yells, the screams, the shouts? You don't think anyone with authority saw the objects being thrown? You don't think somebody said something to someone in authority? During that entire game, we do not know the identities of the individuals who were yelling because there's no record of it. Uh, so let's be serious. This is not the first time. Uh, this is not going to be the last time. Enforcement will have to happen in order for this 
to decrease. These students should never be subjected to any of this. And I dare say, if it continues, there's likely cause for a civil rights litigation suit against the institutions that refuse to protect those players. All right, Ben, thoughts? You know, we live in a country now where it is lauded, it is congratulated when one side of the political spectrum is cruel and mocks others. It's seen as, I guess, lifting up your own people, your own kind, some disgusting backwards garbage. There's of course a long tradition at sporting events of talking trash to the opponents. You do it about their athletic ability on the field. Hmm. That's about it. You don't do it about any condition or attribute of their life that they cannot control. And you can't do it by throwing epithets at somebody. It's just disgusting and that's why it also matters where on a political spectrum you fall because quite obviously those people were not progressive. Quite obviously those people were not liberals. Those people are those who are part of the party, part of the half of this country that are cool with marginalizing people. They think it's funny because their leaders think it's funny. They do that kind of thing for laughs all the time. And so of course it trickles right down. That's one thing it does trickle down is hatred trickles down a lot better than economic prosperity does. And that's the economic model, but also the social and civic responsibility model of the right in this country. It's disgusting and needs to stop and to act as though this is an equally valid side of a country and just part of how I want to be in my free country. No, you don't get to have your freedom impinge on the freedom and happiness of others. That's right. I concur completely. We have an update from the Denny story that we broke, and it is quite unbelievable. If you remember, indisputable, broke the story of two black male truckers inside of Denny's, they were refused service, police were called, they were escorted out. They recorded the entire thing. I now have the 911 call. And when I play that 911 call, you are going to be shocked. Let me remind you of the original reporting first. Here it is. So to make the situation more calm, because we do have a lot of people here, it would just be nice if you guys could leave. But we are. I can't what do we do? Guys. I'm not in the situation, but um, she, like, just like to make it more calm, she said, like, you guys can come leave because we do have a lot of people around, or the police will be out there because they are. Yo, we're calling you. I am. Can we talk outside real quick? Yo, we're calling you. I am. This took place in South Dakota, all right? 
We interviewed these hard working truck drivers. Here's some of it. So then he goes, you know, um, excuse me, you know, we're we're ready to place our order. And she goes, um, I don't like you yelling uh, at me. He didn't yell. He wasn't rude. Nobody was um, out of the ordinary. And then he goes, I just wanted to say we're ready to place our order. And then she goes, well, I don't need you people calling me over to this table like that. Then after that, he says, you know, but I, I saw that you serving other people, and we just want to let you know that we're ready to place our order. Because like we said, we're not thinking racism or anything like that. So then she goes. Um, you know what? I'm not serving you people. Um, you need to get your stuff now and go. I'm calling the police. And then she snatches the menus out of our hands. It was just unexpected. It's just something that uh, we were we weren't ready for. I was, I surely wasn't ready. You know, uh, we went in there. You know, wanting to place orders just like any other place. You know, you go to, you walk into. You know, you. Walk into a place to place an order, and uh, you know, I was just—we were just blindsided by it, you know. I have more. This is seemingly a cover-up from presentation. Put up their pictures full mass, okay? They were wrong. They were embarrassed. Emotional distress doesn't describe what they experienced then and continue to experience now. Damon Whitfield and Hector Madero. This was at a Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Denny's. Now I have a twist for you. You know, when Denny's released their statement, they said in the statement that they investigated the matter. The vice president of Denny's contacted me directly, told me nothing about what I'm about to expose to you. Now, they said we fired the waitress, not the one you saw on camera, but the one that made her go there, told her to go and tell those gentlemen to leave. Well, obviously, everyone is under the impression that the waitress called 911. That is not the case. We have the 911 recording. Here it is. Hey, Tara. I was hoping to have an officer dispatched to our restaurant. We have a couple guests who are unruly and are refusing to leave. Okay. What's the address? Okay. 5201 North Granite Lane in Sioux Falls. Okay. Is that Denny's? Yeah. Okay. What's that phone number you're calling from? Okay. Are they being violent or have any weapons on them? Um, not to my knowledge. So I'm the regional manager. I'm actually getting ready to head in there. Um, I'm about 20 minutes out. Um, but the team called me and they said they're just like very confrontational and argumentative and um, <laughs> like refused to leave the building and just uh, harassing the team and kind of following them around the restaurant. Okay. Do you know what they look like or how many of them there are? Um, two guys, African-American guys. That's all I really know. Okay. What is your name? The moment there. One was the, what was that? I'm sorry. What's your name? Uh, Mike Fletcher. Okay. 
And they're both still inside the restaurant? Correct. Okay. Okay, we'll have officers stop out. Um, just give a call back if anything changes. Uh, will do. All right, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Bye-bye. There's another twist, put his picture up for a mask. Number one, he is not even at the scene. He's calling, headed to the restaurant, but is able to dictate behavior that he has not witnessed. According to witnesses and the truck drivers, they were never confrontational. They never followed anyone around the restaurant. They were not being hostile, that is called defamation. When you broadcast untrue things and represent them as fact. You see this guy, regional manager of Denny's, the one who called the police? Well, he's still employed at Denny's, okay? He's still there, Mr. Fletcher is still there. And guess what else? Well, Mr. Fletcher is the husband of the waitress who initially refused to serve the two black gentlemen. Now, Denny's, why is it that you all did not disclose this information in the press release that you provided to Indisputable and the rest of the world? Uh, Madam uh, Vice President of Equity and Inclusion, uh, put her up. I actually said something complimentary about you and my first Coverage of this story, I take it back. Ma'am, I don't feel very included here. The people who are hearing this story, they don't feel very included. The truck drivers who were offended, they don't feel very included. You all retained the individual who actually called the police on the black male, provided absolutely no context to suggest that anything else happened other than what was stated based on your press release. Put up their press release. According to the original statement and press released by Denny's Corporation, the waitress in question was fired from her, her position at Denny's for the incident, stating, quote, as a result of the investigation, the franchise owner immediately took decisive action and the employee is no longer with the company. But that's not the employee who called the police and happened to be a husband wife tag team duo. Come back to me. When you call the police, especially on unarmed black men, they could die. They could have been killed. Now, there are some who will say, Doc, that's extreme. Really? After all of the reporting that we've done, all of the things you've seen, you don't think that becomes a life and death situation? If you get the wrong cop responding to something like that, the 911 call says they're being hostile, basically. They are not being decent custom. They won't leave. They're following around our workers. They're, they're being criminal by not leaving restaurants. It's a damn shame. 
Um, let's put up the attorneys for representing the truck drivers. Now, these are two people you don't want to see them coming. Since the press release from Denny's, the attorneys have now sent a press release of their own. You have attorney Harry Daniels, you also have attorney Erica Wilson. Harry Daniels, we know as a seasoned civil rights attorney, Erica Wilson, a brilliant, brilliant litigant and civil rights attorney, they've tagged teamed on this case. It is going to be a remarkable advocacy effort because these two individuals have significant connections all across this country and they care deeply about proper representation. I'm glad to see them on this case together. And let me say this to Denny's. I'm gonna call it as I see it. In my opinion, this is a cover up. It's a cover up. But we got the tape. It's a husband and wife team. See, in moments like this, Denny's, your job is to be transparent, not to further damage a relationship with communities you harm by withholding information from the public who is now concerned. We will bring you updates to this story. Dan thoughts. So frustrating to continually see these like doubled up actions. You see on the one hand, racism on full display, refusing to serve two hardworking people coming in for a much needed meal break. Yep. And then you immediately see something even more sinister like this double up, this cover up, this actions of the organization to protect the egregious behavior of one employee and then it becomes systemic and the problem just gets so much worse. Like you said, your job is to be transparent when something like this happens. Your job is to respond with nothing more than we are so sorry this happened. We're looking into it immediately and the the uh, parties who committed this will be punished accordingly instead of this, what is this, a thin yellow line of Denny's employees that refuse to meter out justice and fairness when it is found? It's just, it's just gross. And like you said, it's good that these people are not taking it lying down, but have hired attorneys and are gonna try to force justice upon yeah. an unjust situation. I want to say this because the trucker says something to me and I'm sure they're okay with me sharing it out loud. Um, this Denny's is affixed to a pilot um, gas station. The uh, owner of the pilot company has been more than appropriate, has been impressive according to the truck drivers. I want to commend that CEO the manager, as well as the company in general for being so stand up. Denny's, well, you already know what list you're on. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, all right.
pops engage in a fist fight at a wedding brawl. Here it is. Yo, Coops, Coops, Coops! Here, bro. Oh my God. Kubi, get back. Kubi, get back. Kubi. Oh my God. Oh my God. You. You just knocked her out. Oh my God. Everybody's alive. Put up the picture for a mass. Now, I'm not saying that anyone should have been shot. But if someone was, it would have been understandable. They did physically assault the police, even though the police fought back and just used their fist. Complete chaos in a fight between police and wedding party goers in Newport. Six people were busted when Rhode Island wedding party turned into a wild brawl with cops. With body cam footage showing a woman repeatedly kicking one cop in the groin, while another guest allegedly grabbed for the gun, alive and well. Newport police officers arrived at the landing restaurant in Bowen's Wharf around 1 a.m. Sunday after a call about a disorderly party. That's according to the police report shared online. Security staff told police that David Onick, 44, had allegedly tried to punch an employee and shoved another when he was denied entry as an unwanted party. So you have criminal trespass already with an act of violence. As police questioned Onik, his friends began surrounding the officers who repeatedly told them to back away before they moved to arrest, not shoot, not tase, but arrest his wife, Rachel Onik, 41, for failing to follow instructions. After Onik's wife tripped and failed during the arrest, the group of friends swarmed the officers with Alexandra Alexandra Bell Hardy, 31, seen in the orange dress, kicking the sergeant named Stephen Carrick in the growing. The cop wrote this in the report. The cop then immediately swings with a slap, with all out brawl erupting. The officers tried to separate and arrest the group as the cops rushed Nash and handcuffed him. Flaherty. Could be seen again trying to kick the officer into growing. The cop tried to punch the suspect, ended up hitting Rachel in the jaw. Well, Rachel's still alive. Rachel was knocked unconscious, and she and Carrick were taken to a nearby hospital. Uh, they have since been released. Nash, uh, Flaherty, Rachel, and Olivia Costello, 20, all face assault charges as well as charges for resisting arrest, obstruction of justice, disorderly conduct, police said. Onik was charged with disorderly conduct. And the sixth individual, Kylie um, Swain, 28, was charged with assault and uh, disorderly conduct. 
What about felony assault on the police officer? What about felony obstruction? What about somebody getting tased or maced? None of that happened. They put their hands on the gun as if they were going to pull it and never did, even when they were being jumped. I bring this to your attention to highlight one factor, value. Why did they choose not to kill anyone? Why did they choose not to use their taser or another weapon that was non-lethal but harmful? Because they value the people they were fighting. Ben, thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, that certainly does seem to be the case. This was not even one person. You have oftentimes a black person in their car without any weapon, not doing anything, and they get assaulted by five officers. They get yep. sometimes tased, sometimes shot, sometimes killed. Here you have a group of like, what, five to 10 people assaulting three officers or so, and they don't even pull their weapons out. Draw your own <laughs> conclusions, but it seems pretty obvious to me. Right. All right, yesterday, came home pretty late. And when I walked into my home, someone started to text message me threats. Let's put it at full mass. It started with professor, question mark. I did not recognize the number, did not respond. That was at 10.15 PM. At 10.18, Dr. Richie, question mark. My response is, who is this? It's pretty late to be texting, right? Maybe I got the wrong number. Are you still in? And then they cite my personal home address. It's a decent little place, they said. I like the exterior. You know you have made it when you drive and then they name my vehicle at my personal residence. And then they go on to say that part about how cops have no business being involved in tense situations. It's totally true. Do you agree? ADT, that's my security system. Very nice. Well, if you don't want to talk anymore, that's cool. I'm sure I'll see you sooner than later. Oh, and tell and they name a family member of mine. I said, hello. The second thought, never mind. I tell her. So let me say this. All you did was successfully make me upset. Now, if you feel froggy jump, my heart don't pump no Kool-Aid. I've been getting threats like this for years. I wear them as a badge of honor. Now, maybe you had some more intimate details about my physical surrounding. I didn't see you pull up. You see, here's what may shock you. I'm not a coward like yourself. I don't throw rocks, hide my hand. If I got something to say to you, I say it to you. I would say it to you in your face, I tell your mama exactly what I said to you. Let's put up some of the other racist messages that people spew here. Ben Lacey emailed me. And said, why is this dumb Negro supporting BLM? This N word always cuts people off when they try to speak. Why does this fake N word have guests if he's going to speak over them? He must be of the gay lifestyle, which 
is, and then he utilizes another bigoted slur. Well, how about Carl Snyder, who said, you effing N-word, GDU, you filthy N-word again. You really need to hope you never meet me, you effing N-word thug. Um, gentlemen, your threats don't scare me. Uh, you're getting worked up in a tizzy, blood pressure going up. Um, I understand something. You see, I'm going to respond to you in love. Love of myself, love of my family, love of the communities that I support. Now, if you ever feel as if you need to, well, let's just say, jump wrong, I will give you a lesson that you will wear with you for the rest of your lives. I promise you that. Ben? I mean, you said it all right there, Doc. You know, we live our lives in the public sphere and we do it in a way where we speak our minds and we stand up for what's right. I've received my fair share of threats as well, um, calling me every anti-Semitic slur in the book, saying that I should have been killed in gas chambers and they're glad my family was and many things like this. It doesn't have the effect these people think it does. We know there's bad people out there. We know there's racist, bigoted people out there. That goes with the territory of life, sadly. All it does is make so clear how sad and disgusting and pitiful and pathetic these people are. It has never once made you or I or anybody who speaks for what's right and true and good in this world That's stop right. or pause. It just makes us laugh at how absurd and ridiculous and sad and disgusting they are. And you're damn right, I'll say the same thing for myself. They ever roll up near me or near you, I got your back. I assume same. you've got mine. That's right. And they, they will regret it. That's right. Always a pleasure, dear brother, having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Follow me at Ben Glebe on Instagram, Twitter, threads, and TikTok, three stand-up videos a week. My thoughts on all the goings of the world and check out nowherecomedy.com or bengleeb.com for my virtual shows. Come hang if you're not one of those people. If you there, are, you're there not. There you people. go, there you go, there you go. All right, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable. Mm-hmm.